The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, and I will get to Trump demanding he be declared the rightful winner of the 2020 election and and other things, a bunch of emails and other stuff tonight. But I promised you that I would bring you history, and I saw a good opportunity here, and so I'm going to do it. So sit down, strap in for a little history story. The headline from today was this. Fly Navy, the Navy, U.S. Navy, they're having a big summit right now. It's in Coronado, California. Oh, that's good, 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 right? What's the summit on? Diversity, equity, and inclusion. So they will focus on, and I quote, allyship and the promotion of effective cultural changes throughout naval aviation. Okay, okay, so you know what? Set that aside for a moment. We'll come back to it. Let's come back to it. Let's do a little rewind. You ever heard of the Battle of the Philippine Sea? Chris, you ever heard of this one? You did not hear about it? Okay, well, here it is. Let's do a little overview. This is a World War II story, a Pacific version of World War II story, one of the parts of history that I geek out about the most. So let's let's rewind from the very, very, very beginning. So I realize we have a bunch of new listeners, longtime listeners will know a lot of this stuff. Pre-World War II for us, pre-Pearl Harbor for us, World War II was actually already going on. It had been going on for some time, and we still, most Americans still don't know about it, It was the Japanese invasion of China. 
China was at a down period in its life. The rulers, the old rulers had been cast away. It was ruled by warlords. Then the nationalists were fighting the communists. And so China was just a very big, very divided place. They were down at a time when Japan was up. Japan, they had chosen to come out of the dark ages and their Japanese culture, their their kind of samurai culture allowed them to be more diligent about that. And it's honestly one of the most impressive stories ever, how they went from muskets and robes to being a dynamic military and economy. And they just, all of a sudden, they're modern, baby. And then they're looking over at China because Japan, I don't know if you've heard, it's an island nation. And not only is it an island nation, it's a poor one when it comes to resources. They really don't have anything there. China's got some stuff. And China's kind of down. And as long as you don't mind the whole conquest thing, we got this sweet military now as Japan. Let's go over to China and invade. All right, I don't want to get too distracted. They go over. They spend all this time in, in Manchuria beating up the Chinese. Eventually, America got so sick of it, and the leaders of the West did. We started threatening Japan, threatening to cut them off from the critical supplies we provided to them. All that, all that steel for all those ships came from America. All that oil their Navy was running on came from America. And that was a, that was a common tale, a very, very common tale across Japan, or across the world, I should say, cutting off Japan or threatening to cut off Japan. Japan got to a point where they felt they were desperate and had no other choice, and they made one of the biggest political blunders, military blunders in history, and they attacked us. They attacked us at Pearl Harbor. You know all that. All right, now, that, now boom, we're in the war. Right after Pearl Harbor, most Americans don't realize this, right after Pearl Harbor, Japan attacked a bunch of other places in the Pacific. We look at Pearl Harbor as kind of, oh, what the Japanese did to start the war. One, they were already in a war with China. Two, Pearl Harbor was one of several places Japan invaded at virtually the same time. It's very impressive. And they took over all these places, and then they began right away to dig in and fortify them. Why? Remember, they weren't trying to knock us out at Pearl Harbor. They weren't stupid. They didn't believe that was possible. They wanted to dig in. They wanted to, to delay us, weaken us, dig in, lock down these islands, make them fortresses, and they thought Americans were simply too soft and weak to come take all of them back. They knew we'd come. They knew we'd come try to do something, but they figured eventually we would say, okay, let, hey, let's sue for peace. We'll give you a little of this, a little of that, and in the end, they're better off than they were before, right? Okay, so we okay, so we took 100 miles worth of land. We get to keep 50. We're still 50, 50 miles richer, right? So that was the thing. Well, it didn't work out that way. They severely, severely underestimated American resolve. Uh, when we were sucker, it was the sucker punch aspect of it that really graded on Americans. It wasn't just a declaration of war, let's have a war. They attacked us without declaring war. They clearly did not believe that was going to be as big of a deal to Americans as it was. And look, it's one thing, speaking to the dudes here, I guess maybe some ladies too, it's one thing if you've got a squabble with a, with a dude. Maybe you're in middle school, high school, you got a squabble with the dude, and you say, okay, look, we're going to have to fight. You, you, you talked about my mom, we're going to have to have a fight. I'll meet you out behind the gym after school. Sure, you'll tell your friends. I'll tell my friends. We'll all gather around, stand on the grass. We'll go throw hands, and we're just going to have to have a fight about that. Yeah, you're angry. You want to fight him. You want to win. But there's probably not a deep-seated hatred there. 
But if the same guy talks bad about your mom and then runs up behind you in school and sucker punches you while you're not looking, now we've got a whole different issue. Now there's now we're going to have a real, real problem. The same way a war happened in Pearl Harbor. They really did. They really underestimated how much the sucker punch aspect would upset Americans. So we weren't going to accept any kind of a surrender at all. Remember, unconditional surrender is basically what we started out with. No, 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 no. Our conditions are you get down on your knees and beg for forgiveness for what you did. Those are our conditions. So we start working our way over that direction. Now, initially, obviously, Pearl Harbor, it was a sucker punch. We got our butts kicked a bit. Didn't see him coming. We got our butts kicked. And then we have the famous Battle of Midway. You know about the Battle of Midway, and it's it's often sold as this big American win. I know there was another battle, Coral Sea, where we lost, kind of, but then there's a Battle of Midway, and it's looked at as this, this great American win. Nah, kind of. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. If you had to, if you had to handicap it, we won Midway. But really, if you look at it, the numbers-wise, it was really more of a tie. What it did, though, it stopped the Japanese advance across the Pacific. It, it gave them that black eye bad enough that it stopped them. And then we began our Pacific War campaign. By the way, this is the Jesse Kelly show. I swear it's a political show, but I'm doing some history stuff right now. You know why? Because I can and I like it and it applies to today. So you just gonna have to sit there and tough it out. <laughs> you can email the show jesse at jessekellyshow.com. All right. So you know now we begin this island hopping campaign. You've heard about it before. You know what it was. Understand the reason the island hopping campaign was a thing was because there was something new in warfare in World War II that had really never taken place like that before. There was a little bit of it in World War I. I mean, there was a bit of it in World War I, but nothing like World War II. And what was that thing? Air power. Remember, flying in a plane, a plane with weapons on it, you, you can fly the plane and shoot other planes and you can drop bombs on things on the ground. These, these things are no-brainers to you and me now. This was a new thing back then. And we didn't know, no one really knew, how critical that was going to be for armies. And then we start kicking people around and start figuring out, uh-oh, these planes are really important. The purpose of island hopping was... The planes have a limited amount of range. You have to fly to a certain place, drop bombs on it, and then turn around and get all the way back home. The Pacific is a very big place. You took the various islands for your island hopping campaign because you wanted the airfield on the island. It was all about the airfield, moving your big heavy bombers closer and closer to Japan. And this whole time, there are, there are a trillion little battles I could go through right now where our Navy's clashing with their Navy. They're winning some. We're winning some. Our pilots are clashing with their pilots. We're winning some minor engagements. They're winning some minor engagements. But as we get closer and closer and closer and closer to the main island of Japan, that was the goal, get close enough to the main island so we can send our heavy bombers over there and bomb them to dust, something else is happening. Japan is a small country without a huge population. We're a big country with a big population, big manufacturing base. Their military, their pilots, they're dying. Oh, our pilots are dying too, but their pilots are dying 
and they're not being replaced. Not with the same amount of experience. Our pilots are starting to win more and more and more of these fights. So now, not only is my pilot not dead, he's now infinitely better than he was even the day before because he just got an entire day of combat experience. The scales were being tipped in a massive way, which brings us to the Battle of the Philippine Sea. And I will explain to you how that applies to what's happening right now in just a second. It is the Jesse Kelly show and apparently a night where I'm just going to tell stories the whole show we're in the middle of a history story. But in case you haven't heard, obviously this happened, shoot, it happened a few hours ago, but I get, look, as a journalist, Chris, I have obligations. It's journalist Jesse. There's just no one better. We love Jesse. He's the best. Jesse, please kiss my baby. Jesse, 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 Jesse. <laughs> Uh, Mikhail Gorbachev died. He was the last leader of the Soviet Union. I'll be frank with you. I uh, I try to stay as boned up as I can be on world events. I thought he was already dead. I had no idea. What, Chris? I'm sorry. I had no idea. I thought the dude was already dead. I thought he was dead years ago. But apparently I was wrong. Although now, in a way... I was right all along because he is dead, Chris. What? It's all a matter of perspective and how you look at things. Gosh. <laughs> Remember, you can email the show jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Um, sorry if you just jumped in here. I'm in the middle of a history story, and I'm not recapping the whole thing. There's a headline from today that reminded me of a historical thing. We're talking about the Battle of the Philippine Sea. Back to our island hopping campaign. So we're getting closer and closer and closer to the Japanese mainland so we can then bring our bombers in. The Japanese military, their planes, they keep getting shot down. They're not getting replaced with better ones, but more importantly, the pilots are dying. Japanese pilots are dying, and our pilots are getting better and better and better while their pilots are going to the bottom of the ocean. Now, that brings us to the Battle of the Philippine Sea. We are in the middle of trying to take Saipan during this battle. And you should understand, if we take Saipan, which obviously we ended up doing, that would put us 1,500 miles from mainland Japan. We had a brand new uh, bomber plane called the B-29 Super Fortress. They're really cool. You're officially on the menu for the B-29 Super Fortress if we take Saipan. Japan is well aware that that is the issue. They're, they're well aware of the range of the B-29. They're well aware of what's going to happen to their bamboo-made cities when we start dropping bombs on them. They are aware that they are at a time of desperation. And so not only do they throw everything they can at Saipan, they take this gigantic, very powerful naval force they had been kept in reserve and they decided to use it. Why would you keep it in reserve? It's a really odd thing about navies. This applies today as well. Navies are so critical, but also so expensive that you often find several times throughout history, countries will spend all this money on this sweet navy and never use it simply because it'd be so devastating to lose it. So it kind of goes to waste. It's, something, it's happened several times before. They had a big, very big, very powerful fleet. And they sent it after us to attack our fleet. Now, Japan had a few things working against it, if I'm being honest right now. One, 
our submarines were just dominant at this point in time, and we knew the second they left, they, they, the second they left heading for us because their plan was to ambush us, so we didn't see them coming. Yeah, we knew they were coming the entire time. Another problem was these idiots were always writing things down and keeping plans on their person, and one of their commanders had all their defensive plans on his person, and we shot down his plane and went through his body and dug up their defensive plans. <laughs> That's pretty handy. But we had something else in our back pocket. We had a fleet full of dominant pilots who had hour after hour after hour after hour in combat and combat training. By now, we had the finest pilots in the world, and we had a lot of them. And they had a bunch of children in the cockpit. All their oh, Chris just said, what, the, what was their diversity? Chris, I'm getting to that. All their great pilots, and they did have wonderful pilots early on in the war. They were all dead by now. They were snatching kids still in flight school and putting them in a fighter plane and sending these kids up against experienced American pilots. Just so you understand this, and I've talked to some pilot friends of mine. I'm not a pilot, but fighter pilot friends of mine. They will tell you even today with all the modern technology and stuff like that, and you want all that modern tech and missiles, they said, I would take a good pilot in an inferior plane over a bad pilot in a better plane any day. Piloting experience is everything. We showed up with a legion of dominant fighter pilots, and they showed up with a bunch of children for the Battle of the Philippines Sea. And we would send our planes after their carriers and they'd send their planes after our carriers. And maybe you haven't heard of the Battle of the Philippine Sea. Maybe you've heard it by the nickname it was given. You see these islands, Saipan and all these other islands, they were part of the Marianas Islands. You know what the Battle of the Philippine Sea is known as? The Great Marianas Turkey Shoot. Do you want to know what the numbers were? Would you like to hear some numbers? They have two fleet carriers sunk, one light carrier sunk, two oilers sunk. We had one battleship damaged. We lost 123 aircraft. We'd run out of fuel one night. Maybe you're thinking that's bad. We had 109 people die. Do you want to know what their numbers were? They lost over 600 planes. They lost all of their planes. And their Navy pretty much never took to the seas again. Now, keep in mind, the fleet they sent after our fleet wasn't as big and powerful as our fleet, but it was very close. It should have been a very, very close battle out there on the ocean, except they had a bunch of children in the cockpit, and we had a bunch of veterans in the cockpit. Time in training for a fighter pilot is everything. Oh, and did I mention planes win wars as much as it pains me to give a prop give props to the air force and naval aviators the truth is they're everything now air power is everything obviously naval power is very critical too but you really want to be dominant in the skies now why would i go through a half hour long history story and bring up some ancient world war ii battle called the battle of the philippine sea well, because there's something going on right now in your country you should be very much aware of. 
Your naval aviators are meeting in Coronado, California to discuss diversity. Let me ask you something. While our naval aviators are meeting in Colorado to discuss if we're being better allies to black lesbians, what do you think the Chinese fighter pilots are doing at that very moment? What do you think the Russian fighter pilots are doing at that very moment? We're going to lose a major war. All right. Let me get to some emails and something Trump said that you're going to be mad about. Hang on. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. 
players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, and I'm about to say something you're probably going to find wildly offensive, but do keep in mind, that's just who I am. (laughs) And I don't care if it makes you mad. Look, you're welcome to email me your love, your hate, and your death threats to jesse at jessekellyshow.com. I believe Donald Trump is making a mistake. And this is this is what I mean. Obviously, you know about the FBI news, the malfeasance at the FBI. We've been very clear that the entire organization should be shuttered. And I need to clarify this about something when it comes to the good men and women on the ground at the FBI. Well, I have no doubt there are good men and women on the ground at the FBI. Some of them have emailed into the show. They're turning into whistleblowers, and it's a good thing. But listen. If you were, let's say you're some big shot business guy, well, maybe you are, but let's say, just put in your mind, close your eyes for a second and say, you're a billionaire business guy. You're one of these Mark Cuban types. You're on Shark Tank, right? And you're out there. You know what part of your business is? Cause you're a rich dude. And this is how so many rich dudes are. You go buy other businesses. You go acquire new things and you build yourself an empire. You don't want one company. You want a hundred companies, that kind of thing. And let's say I brought a company to you that had 100 employees in it, top to bottom, 100 employees. And I say, hey, Chris, we'll just use Chris as the businessman because we all know that's probably going to happen one day anyway. Hey, Chris, I got this sweet company for you. You're going to love it. going to make you a fortune. And Chris says, okay, well, what are the assets? What's the company bring to me? Why would I spend money to purchase a company? And I say to Chris, no, 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 no. Listen, Chris, it's awesome. I mean, yeah, the president... Total scumbag, dirtball, and an idiot. All the vice presidents of the company suck. Every manager underneath those vice presidents, they're all terrible too. But, hey, listen, Chris, I know it's a 100-person company. We've got four or five guys in the mailroom. They're dynamite. So I think there's a few good guys there. Clearly a company that just needs some tweaking. What do you think Chris would say? Just dynamite the whole company. It doesn't need to exist anymore. Yeah, I'm happy for the mailroom, guys. Go get a job somewhere else. It doesn't need to exist anymore. That's what we have at the FBI. I keep hearing about a few guys at the bottom. Brother, the leadership of a company is a company. Uh, Premier. I work for Premier. They let me say whatever I want on the radio. But let's say, let's say it was totally different. And let's say all the leadership at Premier... Presidents, vice presidents, this manager... Let's say there were all a bunch of card-carrying communist scumbags... And they didn't want me to say this. And I was constantly being censored. Jesse, stop saying that. Jesse, we're deleting this podcast. Jesse, this is rude. Jesse, don't call people names. Jesse, don't do this. But, but, hey, there's a couple guys in the mailroom at Premier. They're dynamite, hardcore conservatives, and they're on your side. Would you call that a good company? Or would you call it a bad company? The leadership is the company. So stop telling me the FBI should continue to exist because there are good guys on the ground. If all the leadership sucks, then the FBI sucks. But anyway, back to Trump. Trump took to Truth Social and he said this. Declare, he was talking about the FBI and the the corrupt things they did. And then he said this. 
declare the rightful winner or, and this would be the minimal solution, declare the 2020 election irreparably compromised and have a new election immediately. Now, in defense of that, if I were Donald Trump, I'd be so daggone mad about having an election stolen from me. I mean, you think you're mad about the election and the cheating that went on, and I'm mad about the, the cheating that went on. It cost Donald Trump the presidency. He's probably a little bit saltier about that than we are, right? I like to think I'm the maddest guy in the country about it, those drop boxes and everything else. But uh, Trump's probably madder than all of us. So I understand the anger. And I very much understand the desperation to fix the a broken election system so something like that doesn't happen again in 2024. However, let's talk about Trump himself. Donald Trump, he's probably going to have a primary, no question about it, but Donald Trump is the likely nominee. I'm not stupid. You're not stupid. He's the most popular Republican in America comfortably. He's still very popular in the swing states in a Republican primary that matter the most. I think, look, I, I think there's obviously a way he can be beaten if, if a, someone runs a smart campaign. But right now, the likely nominee, if you had to bet, you would bet on Donald Trump being the nominee. Okay. So how does it help us if we're constantly relitigating? Well, how does it help him? And by osmosis, help us if relitigating 2020 is part of the message. Now, I'm mad about 2022. I want 2024 to be more secure. I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with Trump. And I think states, specifically the red states, should be doing a lot more than they are to lock these elections down and fix them. But what does it help a single person? calling for the redo of 2020. That's not possible. And not only is it not possible, Trump telling his supporters it's possible makes them believe this is something that can happen. Man, if you're desperate to fix elections so we don't get screwed again, yep, 100%. If you think the 2020 election can be undone at this point in time or redone, you're stupid. It cannot. And calling for it to be redone takes our eye off the ball. If he's going to be our nominee, good, fine, great. He was a dang good president last time. Hope he wins. If the 2024 election is about relitigating the 2020 election, you understand we're going to lose, right? I know you're mad about the election. I'm mad about the election. But you understand the Democrats are going to defeat us in 2024 if our message is 2020 sucked. It is. Because it's not 2020. The conditions on the ground for regular Americans when it comes to border, gas prices, all these things, they've changed. Oh, I think the right should be knee-deep involved in fixing elections. I think the state GOP should be knee-deep involved in fixing elections. This should be part of what we do. But if the 2020 election becomes for if the 2024 election becomes for Trump addressing 2020, we're going to lose and we don't want to lose. We don't want to lose. We're going to lose if that's his message. Should it be our message fixing the cheating? You bet. Should it be his message? Nope, it should not. 
and I don't give a crap how mad that makes you. Calling for a redo of the 2020 election is idiotic because idiots will believe that's something that can happen. It cannot happen. It's not possible. And frankly, it's not even constitutional. And I know what you're saying. What they did, well, what they did isn't constitutional. That's correct. It's not. They suck. But they're never going to allow us to redo the election. There's 0% chance that's happening. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. If they redo the election, if they redo the 2020 election, if there is a new vote, I give you my word on my life right here. I'm raising my hand. I'm on camera on the simulcast. I will retire from radio and TV. I will retire the day that happens. So stop spreading a message that can't happen and giving people false hope. We can take care of things from 2020 without making the election about 2020. Because we're going to lose if that happens. Even if you want to make it all about 2020, and I do, normal people don't. It's a mistake, and it needs to stop. It needs to be about going forward. All right, let's get to some emails. El Jefe Sombrero. I'm no oracle, but I already figured out what your upcoming book is about, and I hope that you will read it to me in an audio file. <laughs> Shut up, Chris. I just wanted to let you know what a positive influence you've had on my life. I went from caring occasionally to always being strapped. I have become purposeful where I send my money to the annoyance of my woman. I feel outstanding a few months into my male vitality stack from Chalk. She isn't complaining about that one. <laughs> and he goes on to say he's attending church, using Mantis X. And look, hey, fellas, go grab a male vitality stack from Chalk. How many of these email testimonials do I have to read to you? Natural herbal supplements. No side effects. Zero. Not chemical, medical, big pharma, Pfizer crap. Natural herbal supplements from a hardcore anti-communist company. Ladies, female, female vitality stack. How'd you like to have a little extra hitch in your giddy up? Huh? Go to choq.com. Promo code Jesse gets you 35% off. Chalk.com. Promo code Jesse. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. You're welcome. It is The Jesse Kelly Show. Don't worry, we still got more than an hour left of The Jesse Kelly Show. We did history tonight. We've been all over tonight. If you missed any part of the show, the whole thing's on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes. Back to the Trump thing. You got to know what time it is. It's okay to be mad about 2020 and think they cheated in 2020. I do. It's okay to, to have that hanging out there. But we must win in 2024. If he is, ends up being the nominee, which remains to be seen, but he's the likely nominee, right? Then we need him to win in 2024. If the entire 2024 Donald Trump campaign is, they cheated in 2020, we're going to get our teeth kicked in. And we're going to have four more years of that walking cadaver. We are. Or somebody even worse than him. You ready for President Gavin Newsom? You've seen the damage Joe Biden's done in two years? We must win in 2024. you got to know what time it is. I know you've been slighted, and he has. And I know you've been shafted. There's no question. And I know you want election cheating fixed. I do too. you got to know what time it is. Voters right now. They're not you. They're not me. Remember, you don't decide elections. I don't decide elections. People who are hardly paying attention at all right now, they decide elections. And they don't give a crap about 2020. 
They care about inflation and border and gas prices and all these things. They don't want to hear whatever the newest personal axe to grind is. It's off message. And it's part of the reason I say I want a primary. Not because I'm rooting against Trump. Because if we're going to get Trump, I at least want the best one we can have that will get him off that crappy message and back on point where he was in 2016 for us. You got to know what time it is. By the way, I want to read the rest of this guy's email because I'm going to get to a big email roundup here. He was the guy talking about the male vitality stack. He's also said, I'm putting rounds through the same hole thanks to Mantis X, and I'm teaching my children what it means to be God-loving, fearless anti-communists. I even plugged into a scripture-based church where like-minded people congratulate and grow. It's awesome. He says, really, this is just for you, but if you read it on the air, you can say my name. Said his name is Brody. Good for you, my man. Don't, don't give me any credit for that. Good for you. I, I told you last week, or yesterday, I, I took uh, the wife and one of my kids to the range this weekend. And one of the things that's fascinating, because they're just new shooters and they're learning how to shoot, is watching the looks on their face when I put rounds through the same hole, or almost through the same hole. And you can tell there was a little hole, and now it's just slightly bigger. And they just stand there in awe like you're Robin Hood. Look, practice is everything. Practice is everything when it comes to weapons. I've, I've tried to explain this to you before. All these super warriors that you admire, the Green Berets and Navy SEALs and Delta Force guys and all these studs out there, and you see them and they can shoot the balls off a gnat, and you say to yourself, man, that's amazing. He must be superhuman. Do you understand he's just like you? He just practices a lot more. He's just put through hours after hour after hour after hour after hour of training and he just practices a lot more. When I tell you to get a Mantis X, I'm telling you right now, you're going to get so much better from the comfort of your home because it attaches to your weapon. You practice inside your home. Dry fire practice in your home. They'll put you through drills. Go to a range and practice. Then just stay at home and practice with Mantis X for a month and go back to the range. Your jaw is going to drop. I have never once had a single negative email to this show about Mantis X. I get people thanking me all the time for it. MantisX.com. It's what the Green Berets use. They use Mantis X. Go to MantisX.com and get one today, all right? All right. Dear Tallest, <laughs> my fiance and I got busted walking into the Capitol on January 6th. We have lawyers and we're planning to turn ourselves in. But we haven't been assigned a U.S. attorney yet, so it's just a waiting game. Do you have any advice for us on how to stay calm and not freak out every day? For the record, we saw no violence that day, and all we did was walk in about 15 feet and walk right back out when we were told to leave. We didn't break or steal anything. Says not to say your name. I, of course, will not say her name. Listen, I know it can be intimidating to have a corrupt regime set its hungry eyes on you. Just make sure of this. Make sure you never talk. Don't say hello to anybody in law enforcement unless your lawyer is sitting right there with you. Don't think you can talk your way out of this. They're planning on coming for you and throwing everything they can at you. Just make sure your lawyer's there and it doesn't do any good to sit and dwell on something horrible that's coming you might as well just move right along because it's coming anyway. And you never know. I will tell you this. Don't 
Don't shortchange yourself on a lawyer. Don't get the lawyer you can afford. Get the lawyer you really can't afford. Because why do you think why do you think rich people never go to jail? Why do you think rich people win lawsuits and stuff all the time? I uh, someone in my family is a lawyer. Don't judge me. Someone in my family is a lawyer. And so I end up, um, believe me, I'm not smart enough to be a lawyer, but I I get the skinny on so much of what happens in law. And one of my neighbors actually is some big shot corporate attorney. Hire a good lawyer. The difference between a good lawyer and a lawyer that you can afford might be prison time. It really might be. Hire the lawyer you can't afford. There are tons of really, really bad reasons to go into debt in this country. Hiring a good lawyer to keep your butt out of prison is a really good one. You got to take out a loan from mom and dad. Take out a loan from mom and dad. You need to uh, go to the bank, get some kind of a loan. Go to the bank, get some kind of a loan. Dear Shadow, you know the you know the FBI was originally set up to spy on Americans by correct me if I'm wrong, Herbert Hoover. Well, hold on, hold on one second. Originally, the FBI, it was set up. There, you realize there was like no enforcement mechanism whatsoever at the FBI. It was set up just to be really a bunch of accountants. That's really all it was ever supposed to be. Hey, let's just keep track of this. We'll help, we'll help these people coordinate here. We'll, well, it was just kind of like a, a coordination effort. The FBI got itself, it got its legs underneath it during, all the, during the John Dillinger days. During the Great Depression, when you had all these bank robbers, Pretty Boy Floyd and John Dillinger and Babyface Nelson and all these guys, when they were busy getting famous on crime sprees, what they would do is they would cross state lines and the states had quick, uh, strict restrictions on each other. So Dillinger would rob a bank here in this state and he'd rob it close enough to the border that his getaway car only had to get him into, the next, into an adjacent state and he'd have law enforcement off of him. So because of that, the feds decided we needed some sort of law enforcement agency that had the authority to cross these state lines and do these things. And that's really where the FBI went from becoming just this kind of accounting agency into, well, you see what it's become today. You, you know, originally they didn't even have guns. Yeah, those that the G men, the FBI agents you're thinking about, they were just a bunch of lawyers and nerds. They were a bunch of accounting nerds, didn't even have guns. We see how that worked out. These government these government agencies, man, these government programs, they always end up going this way. All right, all right, all right. I made a prediction sometime back about the next phase of the culture war when it comes to all this LGBTQ Air Force stuff. I told you we have not hit some kind of a bottom because there is no bottom when you're dealing with demons that this is about to get worse. And in fact, I warned you what the next phase was going to be. Remember when I did that? In case you forgot, I'll play it for you next. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 